This episode is brought to you by Revel Snacks, R-E-V-O-L-S-N-A-X. Now, I have to say, I personally ventured down the keto path mid-2019 and really struggled initially. I felt like I was missing out on the little joys in life and couldn't enjoy any snacks or desserts. Then I came across Rebel Snacks and haven't looked back. They are by far the most delicious health food product I've ever come across. I mentioned that I'm a fan of keto, but these are the perfect option for paleo, vegan, or just overall healthy lifestyles. I try and eat as clean as possible, and these snacks are incredibly clean. It's a company that truly cares about their ingredients, uses organic when possible, and is mindful of our on-the-go lifestyles. Check out Rebel Snacks today and use code MUSICTHEORY10, M-U-S-I-C-T-H-E-O-R-Y-10 for 10% off your first order. Now, on with the show. Rhythm section and thanks for joining episode 12 of the Music and Theory podcast. I'm Mike and as always joined by Steve. Yeah! And Steve, it has been way too long. The rhythm section has been just going nuts here. Talk you know, to me, man. Where I, you been? I'm going to tell you here? something, man. I'm going to thank the entire rhythm section for hanging in there. I'm surprised. Patient. They're patient people. I'm surprised they haven't bailed, man, to be like, I can listen to two <laughs> other clowns talk about music. I don't need to wait on these guys. But like you say, that's huge, dude. So again, I think your M&T exclusive with the Young Fables, though, was fantastic, though, dude. So Thank you. well done Thank on that. We, we definitely missed you. And I got to be honest, somebody called me on it. It was kind of funny. Uh, I listened to it after the fact, and I guess I made a comment on there about how Steve isn't with us. And someone was like, is Steve dead? Like, where is he? Ah, that's <laughs> awesome. Like, missing from the recording. Yeah, and, but now he's back. So rest assured, rhythm section, we got Steve. I was going to say, go. rumors of my Episode death 12, ha- have, been, uh, have been greatly exaggerated, but the uh, <laughs> I remain. So, um, so, Steve, I know we got some catching up to do. Talk to me about what you've been listening to, what so you've dude, been dude, I have been – so, you know, I've, I think I've said this to you before. I am a sucker for vocal harmony, man. And yes, you are. Uh, absolutely. I just think, look, dude, at the end of the day, the voice is the most natural instrument. You don't need anything. Yep. You're there. Right. And that's how I think it, it I ultimately, that's how it ultimately came about. But I've been listening to mm-hmm. the staves. I don't know if you know the staves, but it's three sisters. No. Okay. And dude, their voices are just so beautiful and it could be, and I don't know, like, I don't have like a ton of the backstory, but it could be that they've been singing together mm-hmm. since they were kids or whatever it was. Sure. But I've been listening to this album, Dead and Born and Grown, and it's so good. Um, you know, Wisely and Slow is the opening track. It's fantastic. Uh, the song called Facing West is, is brilliant. You listen to the, some other stuff online. They play, you know, the ukulele and the guitar and stuff. It's really, really, really beautiful. So if you get a chance, check yeah, it out. check it out, nice. dude. I have been listening to uh, Harrison. George Harrison's All Things Must Pass or All Things Must Pass. Beautiful. It's love that album. You know, there was a point where I listened to that like almost exclusively. And how can you not? Because there's like a hundred songs on it. So in order to like get sure. through it, you gotta play all the songs. And and you have songs that everybody knows, right? Like My Sweet yep. Lord is on there and like sure. Wah Wah, All Things Must Pass, the song. You and I talk about this. It's like it's like five chords. And yep. just with his beautiful voice and like the instrumentation yep. in the background, it, it's just so good. And, you know, you forget, you often forget how good it is till you play it again. Um, mm-hmm. Behind That Locked Door has been a favorite track of mine. I don't know if you know that tune, but it's yep. really beautiful. And it's got a little bit of like uh, Hawaiian slack guitar going on in the back. It's real cool. <laughs> um, 
And it is called that, by the way. It's called Slack. Is that it's right? Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, oh, I don't cool. know why, but it just is. Um, the, the mandolin player from Nickel Creek is a guy by the name of Chris Thiele, and one of his solo albums is called Not All Who Wander Are Lost, right? And uh, mm. it's so good. It was before he got into Punch Brothers, and I think it was before he was really compelled to start moving into, like, experimentation with the genre, like new grass That's or cool. whatever else you call it. So it, you got me into both those groups. That, that was cool. You, oh, how, are you fun. digging them? I mean, he's there. There's ultimately, dude, like they, they melt your face. No, you listen to yep. him. You're like, come on. And, and Nickel Creek started. They were like in their teens. Is that right? Oh, wow. yeah. Like Sarah Watkins and Chris Watkins are brothers and si- brother and sister. And it's just, I've seen them live a bunch of times. Like they are as good live as they are in the record, sometimes better. Um, I've That's seen Punch cool. Brothers a number of times. So they're, they're just so good, dude. But um, mm-hmm. he crushes it. And then Foles. I think we've talked about Foles before. Maybe not into a lot, right? But like, yeah, it's they're like, it's kind of like math rock, right? Like, I, I know, I know we, uh, like we laugh about that. You're like, huh? It's. I, I don't think I've ever heard of math rock. Can you help explain what that is? It for is the audience here. For yeah, the rhythm section. <laughs> yeah, because like, because again, I'm a nerd, and you know, and, and, and like Schoolhouse Rock. Like, no, <laughs> they're gonna ratify me. Like that's amazing, <laughs> dude. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a Bill, right on on Capitol Hill. That's it. But um, no, dude, Antidotes is the album I've been listening to, and and I not only am I a sucker for vocal harmony. When you have a drummer who can alter the meter of the beat, but not change the meter of the beat, meaning like you're in four four mm-hmm. time. Time, but you feel like you're in something completely different that's huh. exactly what this guy does now for most bandmates who don't want to do that it drives you nuts because you're like dude just play the effing beat straight right? <laughs> and i used to be a drummer and i would get that harangue all the time they'd be like can you just play a straight beat i was right. like i can i'm not going to right like yep. in a very Stuart copeland bradish type of way but uh Love but that. those, I mean, dude, I've been doing that. I've been playing. Again, you laugh. I, I had ordered a DVD of Albert King, like, not Albert King, um, Albert Lee, rather, although Albert King would have sure. been, been just as good. Um, yep. Like, 10 years ago, I forgot I bought it, but now you can get, like, the clip of it online. And mm-hmm. I've been playing a lot of country-style guitar. And that guy is so low-key, not well-known. He's from the UK, and he's like a brilliant American country-style player. And that's not really something you, you think of every day, right? Yep. Like British blues, and like you get that, sure. and like that, that you know, and obviously out of the UK, a lot of brilliant rock and roll and, and other types of advanced music. But you, you wouldn't think of like that originating there, right? And people actually say that about Albert Lee. Like they're like, when the guy first came out, nobody knew he was from England. But it's just, he's just like this warm guy. He's very, very sort of like uh, laid back and sort of very humble. But dude, he crushes the guitar. And well, you, you know, I know you've been making a lot of mentions of country licks lately. And for the rhythm section's benefit, and you probably all have heard us talk about this before, but Steve does all of the... Uh, the music that you hear on the podcast, intros, segues, outros. You flatter me, sir, by the way. You flatter me. And the M&T exclusives, I don't know if you caught the intro there, rhythm section, but that country lick in the beginning, that was all Steve. (laughs) So pretty badass stuff. (laughs) Thanks, man. So I want to make sure they recognize that. That's very nice of you. I appreciate the shout out. And and with that, it's a beautiful segue to what you're doing, Mike. So what have you been listening to and doing, man? Sure. So uh, listening to – I. I came across this band that I'm kind of embarrassed to say. I don't think I had heard of them before. Uh, the Jayhawks. Yeah. They opened Petty a bunch. Uh, they have one big hit I've, I'm familiar with called Blue. Mm-hmm. But then I did dig into a little bit of the back catalog as well. 
it's nice. I don't mind it. It was kind of interesting mm-hmm. stuff. I was like stumbling upon bands like that that you really didn't know much about. So that was kind of cool. Uh, coming up in less than a week's time, I'm actually going to be going to see Toad the Wet Sprocket. Come on! Classic 90s band. So Come I've been on. listening to a little that Toad lately. That is so good, dude. Oh, yeah. Um, also was listening to the old 97s recently. Uh, songs like Time Bomb and Doreen. Wow. Great band. Really love the, the old, old 97s. And- Probably didn't appreciate them enough when they were really big. Dude, that was it. big. They were like that marquee, like the focus band of like that scene in the breakup, right? Where like that's he doesn't right. show. Yeah. Vince Vaughn was like, I'm not going. That's right. Wow, that's amazing. Although they probably don't cool. want to be associated with that too much. But anyway, that's how, that's I how I remember know. them. But whatever. And then playing wise, um, well, two things in particular. And actually, these have come up a little bit more recently. So I started working on – I'm a huge Frusciante fan. Oh, yeah. uh, as you know, been working on Danny California a little bit. So oh, that's fun. It's so and, good. Uh, and the solo, once you kind of kick up that phaser a little bit, the phase pedal, it's kind of cool. You know, got to say. That song, dude, seems simple, but Frusciante has a way of making simple things really difficult. In a good <laughs> – no, in a good way. Like in a good way. It belies. Right. He's so smooth. Right. And like the the distortion part, he he has a distortion I've never been able to replicate, right? Mm-hmm. Like where it's like it goes into the chorus, right? Like California, like it's anyway. So yeah, man, Godspeed on that one. Well done. So we got that, and then I've also been working on. Don't laugh at me, but I've been working on while my guitar gently weeps. Why am I? I'm trying to get the lead down, and I think our band actually might might start playing it. I'm figuring it out. So we're making some good progress on it. I'll keep you posted. Why would I make fun of you? That's like that's like the most iconic song of all time. Like, it's amazing. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. We'll get there. We'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, that's what I've been yes. listening to, and that's what I've been playing. Crush so good it, stuff dude. All Crush it. Well, today we have a big topic to talk about. Uh, we're going to be covering albums that you can't live without. So basically, mine and Steve's favorite albums, if we were stranded on a desert island and we only had a few albums with us, these are the few we'd want by our sides. I'm also going to point out right at the beginning here, I'll qualify my statement by saying these may not be the best albums of all time, but they're certainly some of our favorites, at least in my camp. Uh, Steve, why don't you get us started? I was going to say, man, you don't have to qualify it that much. But uh, (laughs) no, I guess what I would say is, yeah, I mean, coincidentally, they might be, you know, some of the best albums of all time. But I I happen to like we called this in a very high fidelity way, like Desert Island. If you stranded me out there, like what albums could I not live without? And I'm literally coming number one with a bullet, dude. I'm going Purple by Stone Temple Pilots. Talk to me. Wow. Love it. Second album, it. right? And they say so in like the hidden track, which like the second album. Like it, it, it had a <laughs> hidden track, which was so cool in those days, right? Because like you can't hidden track somebody nowadays. Somebody's like, oh, am I going to download a hidden track from iTunes? Like what that, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it doesn't work that sure. way. But, that's, that's but when point. you had a CD that kept running, you had like number 34 by the Dave Matthews Band, which was really cool. It, it flipped through all of it went from like 12 all the way up to 34. And then the, sum, the name of the song was 34. And, it, mm-hmm. and the actual album track number was 34, which was really cool. You could watch it spin through all the track numbers. But dude, this STP album, man, it was so good. It had hits everywhere. Vaseline was everywhere. Interstate Love Song yep. was everywhere. Big Empty was everywhere. Because it, oh, it was God. on the pro soundtrack. But you got to extract all of that for a minute just to talk about how good the album was, dude. Like, mm-hmm. it opens up with Meat Plow, which, like, absolutely comes at you like a, you know, like an, like a truck running over you, which is sure. so good. Wyland's voice is so good. The guitar and bass work, the drum work. It's just, it's so good. 
I yep. love it. I listened to it today like I listened to it 20 years ago. And the cool thing was like the album art, like you, I, I think we've talked about this, right? Like the album art is a lost thing now. Even the art on mm-hmm. the CD was really cool years sure. ago. It, was, it, looked, it kind of looked like the, like the scales of a fish. It was like a yellow, um, a yellow thing going on. And, and the, the intro from Loungefly, if you remember, it was like, oh yeah, that was like MTV news, right? Like, it, it, like that was the intro to MTV news for like five years. They had that when MTV actually played videos and did news and stuff. But you, you know, just real quick on your point about album art, cause it, we've never really spoken about that, but I think that could be really interesting because as you called out earlier, right now that we're kind of in this digital age, and albums are kind of less prolific. CDs don't sit on a shelf anymore. I wonder what the album art industry looks like now, because I'll wager that in the early days when that was really important, because you had to get that attention on the shelf, it was probably a decent gig. I wonder what artists are going through right now, if it's even thought about much on Spotify, because I can't even tell you the last time I've kind of scrolled through albums when I was looking to download or stream something. You usually just pull up the song because you've heard it or know it. So I wonder what that's like nowadays, but it just kind of came to me as you're talking about album. You art. know, it's funny. I think they still, so I think it's different. Keep in mind, like the packaging, like for instance, I'll give you like Led Zeppelin three. It was yep. like super interactive. You could like spin mm-hmm. things, you know, like that kind of thing. And like a lot of those Zeppelin sure. albums were pretty dope. were like with the album mm-hmm. art, but I think they still do it, but I don't know that they're like concepts anymore. Right. Like oftentimes yeah. it'll just be like a picture of the band playing live yeah. or something like yeah. that, you know? Yeah, it's a bit of a lost art. I mean, what you get no no more uh, no more naked baby swimming across the swimming no, pool. No, none at well. No, <laughs> no. Sorry, sorry. Never mind. But yeah, that's that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So purple STP man, right out of, right out of a gate. So hit it, man. Do it. Okay, so I'll start off strong. I'm sure I'll work our way down in terms of quality over time. But firstly, <laughs> I am going to start with an epic album, one of my favorites, if not my favorite, Go. and also high quality. Abbey Road by the Beatles, 1969. Now, what I love about this wow. album in particular, three things I want to call out. Firstly, I do believe it's it's really the perfect mix of rock, psychedelia, and blues. And, you know, as you look across the Beatles catalog, there's usually a little bit of all of those things, but most of the albums, I think, tilts one way or the other. Uh, this one, I think, has a nice balance. And I think, uh, and then I'll also call out, you know, the cover art. We talked about uh, Steve not being with us anymore, <laughs> but the cover art obviously plays into the whole Paul is dead theory, which was kind of cool. So I dig that stuff. Uh, so I, and I also think that just from the, not only the album art, but the order of the songs on the album itself is near perfect. And, and you know, Steve and I were just talking about this whole digital age and how difficult this exercise actually was, at least for me, and I think for you probably too, Steve, because you can't just turn and look to your left and look at your wall of CDs or albums nah, anymore. Dude. Now you have to scroll through your Spotify list to find albums you like, and that's a pain in the ass. So this was a bit of a hassle in the beginning. You know, you know? it's really funny. It makes you think about it. D- dude, Abbey Road is a great call. Like you probably don't – I have a Beatles album on mine as well, and I pined sure. over a few of them. I couldn't get into Abbey Road for the longest time. Really? Yeah, no, I couldn't because it was just di- – think about how different that was than the other ones. Yeah. But, dude, if you ever want – first of all, it's a brilliant call because now you've got, you've got come together something, all these things, right? Um, yep. the, the you never give me your money like medley at the end is just unbelievable. And it belongs as a medley. You start extracting those tracks. They're still really good. 
but they lose something, in my opinion, anyway. So I don't know how you feel about couldn't, that. Couldn't agree more. And I actually do think that side two is even stronger than side one on this album. So as you put out, right, you have come together on side one. Then you get into Harrison something, which oh. something's an interesting song because I don't think a lot of people realize how sophisticated that song actually Brilliant. is in terms of music complexity. And I know Harrison was actually a little bit uh, reluctant to even pitch that to Lennon and McCartney because that was one of his songs that uh, I know, you know, he didn't clearly write a lot before that, but that was one that he was really strongly passionate about. Um, But you can imagine when you're working with Lennon and McCartney, how difficult it must be to pitch any idea. But then, you know, you get through a a few other songs, but finally on side two, another Harrison great, here comes the sun because then you get into the, the, the medley eventually, which is separated by Lennon's songs. Once you get to sun King, me, Mr. Mustard and Polity and Pam, and then McCartney's songs, she came in through the bathroom window, Golden Slumbers, Carry That Weight, and The End. And really, that's from the brilliance of George Martin. Because what I understood is on that back portion there of the medley, Lennon wasn't really a big fan of the medley to begin with. Uh, and McCartney was kind of like, yeah, let's, let's give it a shot. But that was all George, George Martin's brilliance that helped pull that together. But I, I think it's an incredible album, and you have to listen to it start to finish, like you said, Steve. Yeah, and you know, and, and we don't anymore, unfortunately. Yep. It's so easy. We're all distracted. We all have instant access to change things because the device is right in front of us. I mean, if you think about it years ago, you put on an LP record-wise. Like, yep. you had to go into the other room to change that. I mean, most people are like, I'm <laughs> not right. doing that. That's I'll just right. listen to the whole thing. <laughs> um, right? That sort of thing. But Yeah, um, that's a good point. But, dude, if something – I mean, didn't Sinatra call that, like, the best love song of all time? Like, if, it, it, Yeah. Right? I mean, dude, if he's name-dropping a song you wrote, you probably did something pretty right, you know? Not bad. That's a great call, man. That's a great call. Well done. We'll hit mine. We'll hit my beat one in a minute, but uh, I'll, I'll take it. So here's, here's the second one. I think all of you know – I am a huge Zeppelin fan. And if you don't, allow mm-hmm. me to state for the record, I'm a huge Zeppelin <laughs> fan. Uh, yep. And Mike, I sent you that meme the other day, that Joe Bonamassa meme that was just like, every kid likes Zeppelin, dot, 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 unless there's something wrong with them. I'm like, that's that was pretty it's good. brilliant. That should be like hanging up above a guy. <laughs> <door>. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, I am going Houses of the Holy by Led Zeppelin. Very nice. Now, an excellent album, al- excellent album. Yeah, right? it, it right? is. Cover-wise, cover-wise. A little edgy. You've got like kids not necessarily clothed, like walking up a mountainside. I want to say that was like David Bowie's house or something like that. It's like really yeah, it's some crazy. It's some crazy area. Uh, of course it would Yeah, be. why wouldn't it be? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, dude, it opens up. Like when I – don't forget, I started life as a drummer from a musician standpoint. And sure. song remains the same. The actual song is brilliant but dude then you get like the rain song i i when i played it took me like 20 years to figure out how to play the rain song even with guitar tablature it's all in a weird tuning but it's so brilliant over the hills and far away is everywhere right like everyone knows Mm -hmm. that track the crunch is hilarious because it's it's an odd time signature you can't dance to it but they but they released in the original album here you go again and in the original album art uh, or album cover, they gave you dance steps for the crunch. Like yep. that was just stuff a band could think about in those days. They don't really do that anymore. Sure. Dancing days, just you want to laugh. Getting back to SDP, that on Encomium, they do a brilliant cover of that. If you haven't heard mm-hmm. it, check out the cover of Dancing Days. But oh, dude, yeah. then you have No Quarter, 
which is just like the keyboard work is amazing. It's like in the key of C sharp minor, which for most guitar players, you're like, come on, dude. Like, really? <laughs> um, but, you know, I guess it's, it's cool enough. And then the ocean, which everybody knows. And it changes at the sure. end. And John Paul Jones has that amazing walking bass over the, you know, the last, the, the outro part. Um, so you would think most people would probably pick like Zep 4 or, or yeah. Zep 2. And that's fine. I'm not going to bag mm. on people for that because those are great albums. Sure. Something about Houses of the Holy always did it for me. Now, ironically, the song Houses of the Holy is on physical graffiti, which makes you laugh. You're like, how the hell did that happen? Oh, I didn't yeah, it's that. weird. And I think it was meant yeah. to be on it, but they didn't, they didn't put it on for, I think, just because the, uh, the album was just strong on its own. But, yeah. uh, but that's it, dude, man. I, I could put that on and let it go. And I've had the opportunity as a musician to like rediscover bands over time. So again, play the drums, um, you know, monster drummers over, the, over time. Like I, I totally love them. But then you can rediscover bands as a musician, like then playing the bass then playing the guitar, right? That sort of thing. So Houses the Holy stayed at the top of the list, irrespective of what instrument I was playing at the time. So I've got to put it on the list, man. You know, you bring up a good point too about, you know, Zep and them just having such a consistent catalog that in order to find kind of your favorite albums, it, it almost like you could spit, you know, flip a coin or, or, or throw up, uh, you know, straws and just grab one and any one of those will be your favorite album they're all so great and i feel the same way about the beatles too and i'm sure we'll get to that a little later but and dude it was uh, year after year man just like like every right? year so i think i think they actually put out zep one and zep two in the same year so it's just like those yeah. guys were super prolific exactly. you know so like you said I, I don't think you can go wrong but i'm going house of the holy stake in the ground so like go it. for it what do you got mike all right, so we're going to make a little bit of a jump here. We're going to flash forward in time from the 60s now up to 1999. You're scaring me, dude. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Californication. Oh, that's and so good. The reason I'm going Californication is, first of all, like I said, I'm a big Prashante fan, and this was his return, right? We got away from that abysmal period with David Navarro. And, <laughs> oh, dude, that's and rough. I can't believe you just yeah, had abysmal. And, and the really depressing album that everyone – You hate it that much? Like, uh, you really hate it that what much? What direction are we going – so yeah so californication i thought was was really solid firstly i think it set up this amazing trilogy that came as a result of this kind of energy and life that Prashante brought back to the band uh so from there you went to you know by the way in stadium arcadium which again are great great albums and you could probably even argue stadium arcadium might technically be some of the best music they've put out but i just love the energy they came with Californication. You start out with Around the World, Parallel Universe, Scar Tissue, Other Side, Get It On Top. These are incredible songs. You haven't even gotten to the title track yet. Uh, then it, you know, the album closes later on after another seven or eight that are just brilliant. Closes with Road Tripping, yes, which is such a cool that's song. That's a great song. You know, and this album, I, I did see them live. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see Frashante. I saw them a little later, saw them in 2017. But uh, this album in particular is important to me because it came about right when I was starting my guitar journey, at least uh, when I was younger, before I put it down again and then picked it back up many, many years later. But I can still remember playing Californication over my buddy JJ's house back in, you know, whatever it was, middle or high school there. So that was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, Californication, Chili Peppers. Dude, it's so good. And I think, you know, we've talked about this before, like he went through a really hard time for Shanti mm -hmm. with drugs and this sort of thing. So when, and he was, he had a very virtuosic ascension with that band, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, mother's milk and, and, you know, and, sure. uh, and, and blood sugar, you know, look, I, I'm not, 
for me, Blood Sugar is not my favorite Chili Pepper album. Like you said, it's probably Stadium or yep. Stadium because I think it's super mature. Yep. The, the production is brilliant. The songwriting is brilliant. Agreed. But that's not one of my favorites ever, but I would have to pick that. But for Shante's yep. hands were really weak because apparently he hadn't picked up a guitar in a really long time. Interesting. So that's huh. why you hear a lot of those really like very Spartan, sparse, like one note bent solos. Because I just huh. think he couldn't do it. Like he, really? yeah, he like couldn't play really involved tunes. But dude, like, uh, you know, I, I was going to say like, I like Dirt. Um, is it called This Velvet Rope? Is that like, those tunes are so good on. Uh, yeah, This Velvet Glove. This Velvet Glove. That's right. Yeah. Sorry, This Velvet yeah. Glove. Um, oh, that, those, those, that, that's a great call, man. Because uh, Californication, the song's amazing. Yeah. Uh, wow. Good call, dude. Really, really, cool. really, really good call. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. And I think, as many of you know, I am a Rush fan as well. Probably oh hardcore. So, And everyone's going to give me uh-huh. a hard time. So instantly, people are probably like, the only worthwhile Rush album is uh, Moving Pictures. And I disagree, right? So I'm not picking Moving Pictures. Here we go again. Like the iconoclast. <laughs> I'm picking an iconoclast band and an iconoclast album. So how do you like that? Yeah. So I'm picking Permanent Waves. That has to be my favorite album, not only from the cover art, which is brilliant, um, mm-hmm. but dude, the songs are so cool. There's only six songs on the entire effing album. Really? Yeah, and like from Spirit of Radio, which people probably know, and that amazing yep, sure. guitar intro, because it hits you right out of the gate, dude. You yep. lose the context now when you've heard the songs a million times. But for like, like people don't know, like most people are like, how is he doing that? You know, which is amazing. Yeah. The song's Very great. Cool. Free Will, the, the bass and the drum work that's going on in that is amazing. Jacob's Ladder song is almost eight minutes long. You're like, okay, we get it, guys. Like, maybe, <laughs> maybe back it down a little bit. Yeah. Even the other two that people probably don't dig, Entre New and Different Strings, I love those songs. But, dude, okay. Natural Science closes out the album. It's nine minutes long. It has three parts. The work that I, – I saw them play that live. I almost passed out. It was so good. I'm like <laughs> – are you guys effing kidding me that you just played that live? It's fucking nine minutes long. Neil Peart was probably in his 50s at this point. So how the guy Jeez. was playing that, a part that right. he made when he was, I don't know, probably conceivably in his mid-20s or late 20s. Yeah, half his age. Holy sure. shit, man. Like, I, it, it cemented the fact that that album for me, I could put it on right now and, like, not even move for whatever it is, like, 40, like 50 cool. minutes. So I, I would have to take that with me. And by the way, I should add, these are not in any order, per se. These just happen to be like, I don't know if they're in order sure. for you, Mike, but they're not in order for me. Um, Good point. I don't think they're in order for me. Um, I think they're kind of... Yeah, you know what? It's not. It's no real order now that I think about it. That's a good. good oh, point. but dude, good it's permanent waves by Rush. What more can I say, man? So I'll kick it back to you, Mikey. Like, okay, uh, we are gonna go. We're gonna stick in the to the '90s here, uh, mid '90s, '94 in particular. Hootie and the Blowfish, Crack <laughs> Rear View. Now I saw them live shortly after this album came out. Saw them live right after this thing, and my God, it was probably one of the best live shows I've ever seen. Come on. They, really? They played everything. It was There was so much energy. Darius Rucker's voice is just, wow, incredible. Now, I also think, and I know they've had a few songs out in some form of like, you know, EP, whatever, before this, but I still consider this their debut album. And in my opinion, it's one of the best debut albums. I, I really do think that. It's just something you could put on anytime, anywhere. I think it was pivotal for the time too because i think it made the mainstream alternative scene 
uh, of the 90s explode, right? Because you had this whole grunge wave, which was just coming to an end right here at 94, at least in terms of what I would say were some of the more meaningful uh, entrance to the scene. You had this new sound that was out there, and I think it was refreshing. I think a lot of people took it as, okay, not everything needs to be dark and depressing. There is another side to this. And then you have this figure on stage whose voice just huge, right, carries the entire place. Album opens with Hannah Jean, which is a great intro song, Hold My Hand, Let Her Cry, Only Want to Be With You. And I recognize these are all pop songs, but at the end of the day, they're really good. Yep tunes and, but and it's so also what who not cares like, if they're pop tunes right like that's yeah, and it's, it's not like it's pop tunes it's not like it's pop tunes with a drum machine and a synthesizer either it's pop tunes with a legit band up there playing solos playing true drums great voice you know towards the end of the album you have that song goodbye which has this wonderful little piano section i actually like playing it myself really cool so just a great diverse album a lot of different styles on there uh, and I, I have that up there here as one of my favorites. Wow. And definitely think it was one of the best concerts I've seen. You know, dude, you remind me because, I mean, that album was effing everywhere, dude. And everywhere. you probably need like a 25-year, you know, I guess like span to yep. really be able to look back and just appreciate it for what it is. Not, you know, it, 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 it became the butt of a joke at some point, right? Yeah. Like you're like, sure. because the guitar player, forgive me, I don't know his name, um, played a lot of just basic sort of, you know, for guitar players, we'll know like just basic pentatonic, pentatonic you know, yeah. stuff. But you know what? It, 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 you never, you never thought to yourself like that doesn't belong in that song. Mm -hmm. The drummer wasn't doing anything flashy, right? The bass player had some really cool, like boo, boo, sure. boo, like for, uh, well, I, you know, for whatever that, um, hold my hand, like some really mm -hmm. cool bass work. So I saw them live too. And, and you're right. I mean, they nailed it. The, the, uh, the energy was real good. So yeah, Darius Rucker's voice is as big as a house. So I t I'll give yep. you that man. Well done. Well cool. done. Cool. Cracked rear view. Son of a bitch. I can't remember <laughs> the time. Uh, like the last time I thought about that. All right, dude. So here is as promised, uh, my Beatles, uh, pick. So what do you got? If you asked me this, probably five to seven years ago, I would have said rubber soul, Ooh, but I'm it. not, yep. I'm not going to say rubber soul. I, I am going? saying revolver. Oh, such a good I'm one. I'm saying revolver so because it was yep. right at the turning point from when they became, um, you know, like a really different band right to that point. Yeah. It was like That's two true. minute tracks. And, and yep. they started getting really experimental, right? So it opens up with Taxman, which is brilliant. And unfortunately, now it ends up as like a fucking H&R Block commercial, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Eleanor Rigby is such a brilliant song. And there's like nothing going on in that, right? It's like an sure. orchestra and McCartney singing, which is amazing. Um, yeah. I'm Only Sleeping is brilliant. Love You Too is good. But like here, there, and everywhere, everybody has that as like their – I didn't, right? But everybody like takes that as their wedding song. That's my parents. Is, it, is that right? Yep, Come true. on. Oh, yeah. That is effing genius, dude. Um, Yellow Submarine, I didn't appreciate that song. You, list, you listened to it when you were a kid. You probably learned that in kindergarten, so, like, you could all sing together, you know, this kind of thing. Can, can, I, can I just tell you real Go. quick? You're going to get a kick out of this. So, in fifth grade, me, one of my brothers, and two others did a talent show where we played the Yellow Submarine. And I literally, we didn't have a drum set at the time. So I literally took one of those old, like, uh, you know, I was a big Islander fan back then. So I had a New York Islander trash can turned upside down. I put a Beatles logo over the front of it. 
And we got out there, put some suits on in fifth grade, and we rocked it. It was great. <laughs> Dude, I am without speech right now. I'll try and find a video. I'm without speech. <laughs> you know what it is? The, the harmony is way more complex. Like, go and listen to it, right? And you have the – of course, you have, like, the we all live. But there's, like, a – there's an underlying vote that's, like, we all live in a yellow submarine. Like, it's really good. And then mm-hmm. the call out in the – like, they have, like, the uh, – all of the sound effects happening like on a ship, right? It's like every one of us, every one of us. Like it, it's it's a really layered track, especially for sure. when it came out, right? Like true. There's a lot going on, but Good Day Sunshine and Your Bird can sing. Like the guitar dueling on and Your Bird can sing is amazing. Yep. Um, for no one is brilliant. Got to get you into my life is brilliant. Love for no one. But dude, yeah. where really cemented it for me. Tomorrow never knows. Think about that. So when this came out, was that like? Were you like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, they'll totally right. put, like, a psychedelic track like that out in 1966. No, it, it's right. not. And then I heard Government Mule play that. Mm. And I told you this, right? Warren Haynes was just like, turn on your mind. Like, with that, like, super heavy, like, manly He's voice. He's great. I love him. Uh, but oh, he, he loves every – and, dude, I was like, what is going on? Because Ringo doesn't get – the the respect he deserves like the doom doom, doom, doom. like it's that's really cool that was not a standard drum beat in those days Mm -hmm. anyway dude it i'll go back and listen to it now and you've got like the tabla playing you've got all like french horn they they really layered this stuff dude right yep um so i i go revolver i've seen um the fab foe play it live and they absolutely crush it so that's my beatles that's my beatles uh album if we if we have time and get to it later, I mean, I'll, I'll let the rhythm section know in advance here. That was one of my honorable mentions, as well as your STP call out. So, so far, man, awesome. Do well, it. Well yeah. Done. What's up, man? All right. So let's move on here. And we're going to flash forward again into even more modern music. Uh, so 2013, Jason Isbell, Southeastern. Wow. Now, this is an interesting one because it's definitely a different genre. You know, you could argue it's Americana slash country, whatever it falls under. Uh, I've seen Isbell live a number of times now, actually going to see him live again later this fall. Nice. And in this album, though, in particular, I I think that there's just so much emotion. I can't find a bad song on the album. Incredible writing. In my opinion, Isbell is probably the best storyteller uh, of the modern era. Mm. And, you know, as a society, it's, it's nice to come across someone like that. You know, it feels like they've been missing for a while. So it's nice that he's out there doing this. Um, but there are songs where you'll laugh, like the song Super 8, which has some hilarious moments in it. And then songs where you literally will cry, like Elephant, which has to be probably the saddest song I think I've ever heard. Um, opens with Cover Me Up, which is basically That's a love a song. Great for song. Uh, Stockholm, Traveling Alone. Then you get into Elephant, you cry a little bit. Um, Flying Over Water, Different Days. These are all really good songs. Towards the end of the album, you get into New South Wales and Super 8, Yvette, and Relatively Easy. But... Again, this is just one of those albums that I, I think you could put on almost anytime, anywhere, and it's got a little bit of something for everyone. And uh, if you're not listening to Jason Isbell, you know, turn it on, guys, because it is something something really special here. That's a good one, man. And I know we talked about Isbell, you know, a long time ago, um, and I really do like him. I kind of fell off the Isbell track a little bit because sure. I was playing sure. different music. Yep. Um, but a guy we used to work with turned me on to him. And, yep. uh, and I saw him live and I thought he was great. The voice again, big as a house, good guitar work. Right. And like you yeah. said, like he actually makes fun of himself. If you ever, if you ever Google it, like he does like this fake commercial, he's like, hi, I'm Jason Isbell. And you know me from such, and like, 
he he like strings yes, together I've all these that. really sad it's hilarious it's so hilarious. you got to give him credit for being a little self-effacing yep. like that too sure that's a good one man that's a really really good one um well done so good call I like mixing it up every once in a while going modern with you know older stuff because of course i think i could pull up 10 you know classic rock albums i could listen to at any point but little diversity is good too you know so that's a great segue into mine because i've probably given you a whole bunch of uh historical well, maybe stp was was not the uh, you know classic sure. rock. i'm going for this one the weezer green album talk to me excellent wow green the weezer really? green. again everyone who would picks pick green yeah. nobody picks green. Uh, well guess who did <laughs> me so everyone everyone would pick blue which is brilliant right like my name is jonas yep. and all i mean the songs are brilliant sure. i mean yeah sweater song everyone knows that tune and buddy holly but i pick dude i pick green dude like don't let go photograph crab is probably one of my favorite weezer tunes they absolutely crush it island in the sun is a very interesting track right um but, dude, they're all so good. Knockdown, Drag Out, and Simple Pages is probably one of my favorite uh, tunes on that album. But mm-hmm. it's so good, man. It's, a, it's like each song – and here's the thing. It's like a half hour long. So, like, if you ever wanted to go, like, work out or just, like, yep. you know, it, like, and just, like, hear really good music in that, in that span of time, it's Jeez. amazing. Like, the, yep. the, again, vocal harmony is really cool. Rivers Cuomo has this habit of, of playing the lead guitar in a way that mimics or, you know, the vocals that he just sang. I like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. cool. It highlights it really well, right? That. It reinforces what he just sang. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know what you think, man. I'm going Weezer Green. It's absolutely amazing. I, I'm very surprised you didn't go blue, but I think it's refreshing, too, because I do think a lot of people would have just picked blue because it's an easy, low-hanging fruit item. Green takes a little bit of thought. You got to get behind it, but I like it. I love it, it dude. That's, that's really crushed cool. it. And I, and I do like Weezer as a band too. I think they've they've aged reasonably well. Uh, they I think they degraded a little bit. We talked about that in our you know bands that have fallen off, but I still think that um, you know what you can still get beyond the blue album and have some good ones out. Hundred percent, man. Hundred percent. So anyway, all right, cool. Uh, I will give you now my last official album and then I, I can give you later on some honorable mentions and a few things like that Do it. uh we're gonna go to the early 90s 1992 in particular new miserable experience by the gin blossom wow now before you laugh and the rhythm section just decides they're not gonna listen to us anymore i have seen the gin blossoms live twice uh i have not been let down either time very impressed but i think a lot of people don't really appreciate the story behind the band now Firstly, let me just also call out that I think that this album being in 1992, as early as it was, right? This is pre, again, pre Hootie's Cracked Rear View and still when grunge was at the top of the charts. Uh, this sound completely defined the alternative, I would say, uh, style. Like genre the type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, but more so like the easier listening mode. And I don't think everyone was ready for it. And I do think that's when Hootie became really important socially. But the album is so easy on the ears. You can play it anywhere, anytime. I think it uses a lot of those pentatonic runs that you were talking about before from Hootie. Um, the band really came together in 87 by this guy, Doug Hopkins. Now, this is interesting. He's the lead guitar player as well as the songwriter, but really the creative mastermind behind the band. He, along with much of the band, really struggled with alcohol. And, and in particular, he became just almost uh, disruptive and, and, and abhorrent in many cases. Really? Like the, the whole band had issues with alcohol? The whole band had issues. Wow. And if you listen to a lot of Jim Blossom songs, almost all of them talk about alcohol. Well, I mean, it's but, got gin in but, the title, for Christ's sake. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but unfortunately, so Doug Hopkins, he was 
what they said at least the worst of it and from interviews you've you've caught that as well so unfortunately he they actually kicked him out of the band and they did so right after the album wrapped and they were about to go on tour and then there became this whole rights dispute about hey jealousy and all these other things but unfortunately you know i always kind of sat back and wondered why they were never able to get back out there and do something as impressive and then i realized what had happened you know they kicked this guy doug hopkins out and actually unfortunately Later on in 1993, he wound up committing suicide. Oh, that's so sad, So this dude. is a story that a lot of people don't really know or appreciate. When you have that type of creative genius, and then it's not part of the band anymore, and unfortunately the guy takes his own life, you know, you, that's exactly why we don't hear from the Jim Blossoms in any meaningful way anymore. Uh, but anyway, that album in particular... Lost Horizons, Hey Jealousy, Mrs. Rita, Until I Fall Away, Hold Me Down. Th- these are really good songs. Found Out About You, Allison Road. These are on the radio all the time. Again, I know it's very poppy, but I do think culturally it helped to shake up the 90s. And in particular, the early 90s uh, to get us a little bit of diversity from just grunge. Uh, that was it. Steve, what do you think? Wow. You know, I don't know shit about them, man, to tell you the truth. I mean, I, I obviously knew about them and Hey sure, Jealousy was sure. the tune I knew. I didn't I don't want to say I, I didn't you know, I, I didn't put too much behind it or, or I kind of yep. I kind of chalked them up to like, OK, like them and the spin doctors and, you know, they're all they're yeah, all right. around yep. at the same time. But it's it's real sad to hear that that's probably why they didn't do more yep. than they did and 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 that they probably could have that's really sad to yep. hear that you know yep uh, but no good call man i mean i i you know i trust you and i take your uh i take your opinion <laughs> seriously here so well done um i have two more and um okay. so dude this album honestly it is the re and this this musician in in particular is the reason i play the finger style acoustic guitar if that oh, is not a uh, you know, big enough preamble. So James Taylor's Sweet Baby James. Now, very nice. Everybody very is nice. probably saying like, oh, give me a fucking break with this already, right? <laughs> and here's where I'm going to say, like, back up for a minute. So the tune yeah. Sweet Baby James in isolation is a brilliant song. You've heard it a million times, but it's so good. He wrote it, he's singing it, and he's playing the guitar. And the guitar work is not easy, dude. Mm-hmm. So that's brilliant. But like my favorite track on that album is probably the second track called Lo and Behold. It's a real kind of like something. You, it, it, it almost has like a gospel refrain, like there's a well on the hill. And it's just like what he's doing is so brilliant in it. From Sunny Skies, Country Road, Blossom is a brilliant track that Carol King plays on. Um but dude, of course, you've got like, you know, Fire and Rain's on there. And again, yeah. you've heard Fire and Rain a million times, but when, sure. when I tried to learn Fire and Rain, I was like, oh, come on. Like, it's just so really? good. Yeah, he plays these chords all backwards, even though you should play them the right way. <laughs> no, he really does. Like, he, his fingerings are all weird, even though most guitar players learn a chord this way. He, like, flips the fingers around. Anyway, and it closes really with cool. this track called Sweet for 20G, which is absolutely uh-huh. amazing. It's got really cool instrumentation. Um, and, it's, and it's got, like, trombones and slide. It's, it's really great. So... I love, I happen to love James Taylor. I've seen him live a whole bunch of times. He's, he's been amazing every time I've seen him. He's still good now. He's super laid back. And the guy's a brilliant instrumentalist. He really is. Like, mm-hmm. his voice is cool and people like the songs, but it's almost like Mayer in that the popularity and obviously James Taylor, he was a bit, he was a, he actually was a drug addict uh, at one point. Yeah. Really? Oh, horribly so. His dad had to come get him. 
uh, from oh, like wow. New York City, from North Carolina, like drove, got him and like got him out of like a horrible time in the village. But um, mm-hmm. but you because he's so popular and because the songs are so popular and good, it belies how good an instrumentalist they really are. James Taylor, for me, like a yep. playing wise is at the top of the list. So there you go. James wow. Taylor. Um, I'll nice. close out because you're, you're officially yeah. done, right? All right, yep. dude. So this is my favorite album of all time. And it happens to not be a Zeppelin album, which is really what? odd, right? So you're thinking to yourself, <laughs> like, what is that? I yeah, am going Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, man. Well, you know, I mean, that's reasonable. That's fair. I can understand that. But go ahead. Go dude, ahead. It's, I was not a Floyd fan um, until I got to college. Right. Mm -hmm. And my roommate was a massive Pink Floyd fan. And I was like, oh, dude, come on. Like, of course, it seemed like so stereotype. But, dude, then I started examining it like because it's not like Floyd does have some up tempo tunes. And in fact, they do on this album. But Mm -hmm. a lot of times, dude, like the the quality of the song, like is belied by the simplicity, like from Speak to Me, which is the opening track into Breathe. Um, it's really the same song you got on the run, which is really cool. Cause in those days recording like that, that type of track, which almost seems like electronic dance music in the background, it's like, sure. like you didn't do that in those days, right. Yeah. To, you know, to time, which happens to be one of my favorite guitar solos of all time. Love that. Oh my God. Best solo. I think. Uh, amazing. Right. You've got Gilmore's genius on it. Yeah. Amazing. And I love how he's just like, it goes from seven, four time. Who the fuck writes a song in seven, four time. And then unless you're rush, apparently. And then, you know, right. then it goes into four, four for the solo. And you're like, huh, that's really creative. But it just goes to show you Gilmore was like, I can't really determine why we moved into four, four, <laughs> apart from maybe I, I told the band that there is no way I'm soloing in seven, four time. <laughs> and you're like, dude, I fucking love this guy. He was just like, shift the whole song around. Cause there's no way I'm yeah. playing in an odd time signature. So genius, oh, dude, money, us and them, the, the echoes like us, 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 like just those little things are amazing. It closes with Eclipse. The album is great. Cover to cover um, is amazing. The album cover is amazing. I had it painted on my wall in my off-campus housing in college. Like it became that iconic an album for me. I just love it. It's my favorite album of all time. And it just like, I don't know that it gets any better than that as, as a concept Very album. Cool. Song, every song's amazing. The vocals are amazing. So I just love it, dude. Very nice, Steve. Um, well, and you said that was, that's it for right me, there, dude. Right? You got some honorable mentions. Okay. Yeah. Just a couple I want to throw in here. So honorable mentions. And, uh, you know, I did actually have Harrison, all things must yes. pass. Uh, I had Pearl Jam 10. I had the Beatles revolver. I told you about before I actually had the revivalists. Uh, vital signs wow. and maybe their self-titled EP as well. Love oh, that five-song one. Oh, that's so oh, yeah. good. Oh yeah, yeah. And then uh, you know, just just uh, for everyone who hadn't heard the indefensive, I do have Creed, my own prison on here. Uh, and then just really quick, a couple compilation albums that I wanted to throw on the list, even though I know we're not doing comps. Uh, Jack Johnson and Friends, Best of Kokua Festival in twelve. Really, uh, Chris Cornell's Songbook in eleven. Squeeze 45s and under 82 uh, and then the cream of Clapton. See, you got a lot of compilations on there, which I think most people would suggest. I don't want to say should be disqualified, but probably shouldn't be considered as like a quote unquote album. Oh, absolutely. But, and that's why they were kind of an app. But they're so good sure. though. Like cream of Clapton. But if you're going to be on an Island, you might want one of those albums. Yeah, you, you know that's I mean? a really good one. The cream of Clapton is a good one, <laughs> dude. Well done. Well done. So, all right, Mike, we, we crushed that one, dude. Excellent. Well, I think it's time we move into our versus segment.
And tonight, in Versus, we are going to be talking about two titans, Led Zeppelin versus The Who. Boom! <laughs> and I'm sure you taking tonight. So, Steve, why don't you uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Zepp and why you think this is a contest here? Uh, <laughs> wow, dude, you set me up to fail on that one. <laughs> uh, dude, the mighty mighty Zeppelin, as far as I'm concerned, in some respects, they've been overexplained. Okay, and like I, mm-hmm. I get that. Like I get that. Some people are at enough with fucking Zeppelin already, right? Yeah, <laughs> but but the reality is, like, you can't ignore, you cannot ignore the impact they had on music. Now I'm gonna hear bullshit like, oh, they stole all their music. Like, I from the uninformed, <laughs> I hear from everybody that they fucking stole all their music. Like, dude, stop already, right? Like, stop. So I I just, dude, the first time I heard them, my my buddy who was like a skateboard rat friend of mine that I used to nice. I used to ride skateboards with, like, we went into his little apartment. Um, yeah. And he turned on Zep 4 and I heard Black Dog and I was like, what the hell is Not that? Bad. Not bad. And I heard like the drum sound was amazing. And then I just had to dive into this. Right. So um, it's a really big deal. Like they're a really, really big deal. And, you know, he, here's what does it for me. Like if I'm going to put them versus the who. I'm yep. not going to say I dislike the Who. That's not true at all. But if I if sure. I had to, they just never really were my thing where I went to turn them on all the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it has to be mutually exclusive. Like you don't have to say I like Zeppelin, so I don't like the Who. That's not fair. That's true. That's and true. in fact, I really do like the Who. I think the concept albums are brilliant. But each member, like dude, like as much as, and I've said this right. Like Plant is insufferable. I think I said this like in our first in our first <laughs> fucking podcast. Plant mm-hmm. Plant is insufferable, right? Like the guy yeah. know thinks who he is, but he's also a very deep thinker, and you can see that he's obviously a deep guy, sure. dude. Townsend is on the top of the fucking insufferability list, though, man. Like, I hear this guy talk. You'd think it would be the lead singer. You'd think it would be Daltrey, yeah. but it's not. Mm-hmm. Daltrey's, like, super yeah. cool. You hear him talk. Yeah. He's, like, a super laid-back guy. He totally gets it. He doesn't make what they were doing into something it's not. He was just like, you know, we got into this to become rich and famous, and you could say whatever you want, and you could hold this against yep. me, but, like, we were backstreet kids, and this is what we did. Like Zeppelin was not really that way. Like Bonham and Plant kind of came from the sticks. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like mm-hmm. Jimmy Page came from like a fairly well-to-do area of England. I mean, he came from like Epsom, right? So like the, yep. he wasn't like poor. Not granted, he might not have been super wealthy. But mm-hmm. the kid, you hear them talk about this and, and he says like, I was, I was destined for biological research, but he somehow became like a guitar player and one of the most iconic oh, bands great. of all time. But for me, dude, like each member in Zeppelin is unique Mm-hmm. And could stand on their own. And then as a result of one of them, like Bonham died in 1980 yep. and they stopped. Yes. There is something to be said for that. There's something to be said for the guy for like, think about it, the drummer is usually the butt of the joke, right? Like who's that guy who hangs out with the band? Oh, that's the drummer, right? right? Like that's not fucking cool. Having been a drummer, that's not cool. Number one, I'm saying that to everybody <laughs> out there. That's not cool. Sure. But you know, like dude, Moon died. The who didn't skip a fucking beat. Yeah. Which is why for me, like, I think I really do as may he rest in peace. I think moon is overrated, dude. I really Mm -hmm. do. I think he's a great drummer. I think he's overrated because if he were almost as popular or as sort of, sort of so unique and idiosyncratic to that band, I think they would have done the same thing and said, we got to stop. 
So, yep. you know, like I'll take it at that. Right. I, I think Entwistle is a brilliant bass player. Doesn't get nearly enough credit. Mm-hmm. Daltrey's voice all in. If you want me to be honest, like live power, this type of thing, he may edge out plant. Yep. But I think Plant's voice is so unique and so perfect for Zeppelin, you can't put him in with anybody else. I just happen to think that, right? That's an interesting take on that. You know, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it that way. When I, when I initially set out on this one, I actually looked at it and said, oh, man, like, how do you put anyone against Zepp when you just look at these four powerhouses in their respective instruments? And, you know, quite frankly, each one of them, you could argue, is either one, two, or three amongst their peers of that time and even most modern. Um, but you're right. I, I actually spent a lot of time on the Daltrey versus plant side of it. And I do think Roger's voice is better. I do think he actually has a more, um, I'll call it flexible range. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think plant, you kind of get that really high pitched thing. And then if you don't, it's a little bit of talking. And I actually think it degraded much more quickly than Daltrey's did. I think Daltrey's out there still doing it. Um, and I actually think, you know, listen, uh, I, I agree with you on the Townsend side, although I do think he's an incredible guitar player. I don't think he's Jimmy Page. Uh, the Whistle thing I do think is interesting. I do think that's somewhat of a tie, probably, if I had to toss it up. I do think you're right about Bonham over Keith Moon. You know, Keith Moon could break a nice drum set, but yeah, I don't think he's John Bonham. Now, that being said, I think the power of the Who actually came with their Wait, can number I, one, their ability. Can I jump in real quick? Did yeah, you yeah. say John Paul Jones and Ent Whistle are side by side? Did you say that? Listen, I, I think. Oh, I think I'm I putting a in pin in case. that one. Holy <laughs> shit! All right, finish what you were saying. I'll come back to that. Go ahead. All right, I'm going to say because I think. Well, back to the, the band for yeah. a second. So I think um, the reason works. Number one, trans transitioned from kind of that British invasion feel into the portion of the late 60s, early 70s that really favored more of the harder rock side of things. So they made that transition seamlessly. Zepp never had to make that transition. You know, right when they came onto the scene in 68, that was the sound, almost like in the way that we talked about ACDC, you know, many casts ago, being, you know what you're getting. It's that one sound. Whereas the Who actually transitioned, I think, pretty well. I also think the Who made much better use of effects, uh, whether it be through hmm. the instrumentation and synthesizers and keyboards or even certain vocal effects at times. But I do think they made better use of effects. And then everyone, you know, this one was important to me. I think just in terms of the overall structure of albums, everyone always talks about Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody as this amazing idea for a rock opera. That came out in 75, but the Who actually had two rock operas way before that, Tommy in 69 and Quadrophenia in 73. Hmm. So I put all of those things together, and, and I actually think this is a lot more of a comparable debate than I initially thought it was. I thought this was going to be a landslide with, with Zep, but I'm not so sure it is anymore. Steve, go ahead. No, I, I agree. I don't, and, and that's the thing. Like I, I, we used to have a much harder lean uh, you know, in our younger days, Mike, with, with this cast with Versus, where we used to just like pit two bands together and beat the shit out sure. of each other. I mean, I don't, I don't think – you lose. You don't lose with either of these bands. And I, and I That's don't true. know that it's it, true. I mean, let maybe Zepp, you know, landslide against other bands, maybe, but no, the, the who deserves the, the mark they made for themselves. They, they absolutely mm-hmm. deserve that. Like Tommy as a song mm-hmm. and, and as a rock opera is absolutely brilliant. Like you yep. said, Quadrophenia is really cool. Uh, in fact, I think I want to say fish played the entire Quadrophenia album. 
Really? And people went batshit, cool. which is very hard. That's not an easy thing to do, which, again, speaks sure. to how good Fish was. I know we talked about that mm. with them and the dead. Um, here's my thing with John Paul Jones. He is the unsung hero of Zeppelin. The guy could play right? any fucking instrument. He played the mandolin. He played the mellotron. He played the keyboard. He played the synth. The bass work is wow. amazing. He was a really brilliant um, arranger. He could sing mm-hmm. some backup, but didn't do it a lot. So, like, that's yep. why, to me, the guy was so – he is a massively important part of that's Zeppelin. And if that's you remove point. him, you don't have the same Zeppelin, I don't think. Because – I like that. I think that's fair. Some of the walk – like, again, we talked about the ocean. Like, what he's doing at the end of that – or, dude, do me a favor. And, and Rhythm Section, do this too. When you get – when you're done listening to this, go to YouTube and listen and, and search for – the isolated bass track from Ramble On. It will melt your face because, like, again, the song <laughs> is so good. And it's not like some – and as much as I love Getty Lee, it's not the technical virtuosity of, like, Getty Lee or these other folks. Yeah. It is just so brilliantly melodic. Like, most bass players mm. are playing, like, the root note of the chord. So if it's A, they're playing the note A. And when they go to D, they play D. That's not – like, John Paul Jones was way more melodic than that. And that's mm-hmm. why it pissed me off when Page and Plant went out. Now, again, maybe they tried to avoid B. That's true. They did do a big thing. Huge. Them, right? And I saw them playing. Yeah. They were really good. And that's why mm-hmm. when they got into the Rock Hall, like John Paul Jones takes a massive dig at them. So they all speak. And, of course, you know, again, Plant is like, when I envisioned how amazing I really was, you're like, dude, knock it off. Like, you, 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 and now paraphrasing, of course. But John Paul Jones gets up there and he's just like, and in his closing, he's like, and thank you to my friends for, or my friends for finally remembering my phone number. Like, it's, oh, that's so great. he crushes them. And you could see Plant kind of look at Paige and go, what did he just say? Like, it's amazing. <laughs> so that was cool. But yeah, dude, you're right. They, they had this 10 year span, well, 11, if you want to call it that. Um, and, they were spared like the horror of what might've become of them in the eighties because, you know, Jimmy Page did some things, Robert Plant did some things and they weren't bad, but they weren't like, dude, they weren't Zeppelin. And I think they're not trying to be that again. I give them credit yeah. for that. The who with all due respect to the who is trying to be the who. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that they are, you lose your rhythm section. Like if we lost our rhythm section, we'd be nothing Mike. Right. Like, <laughs> and I know that's a little bit of wordplay, but think about that. The entire original rhythm section is gone and they're still playing. Mm. Like, I don't get that, right? That something about that doesn't ring true for me. That It's fair, but it's also not like they haven't had hits. I mean, they certainly, you know, joined join together, Eminence Front. Like, there's a few decent songs out there. I mean, even Behind Blue Eyes was in the 80s, right? So they, they've spanned multiple decades from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and even touched the 90s ever so slightly, The Who. So it's not like they haven't been relevant or useful to the, the musical period and the influence of the period. They've still been around doing their thing. You know, and to your point earlier, I just I had to mention this because I think this is hilarious. You know, you talked about like um, folks talking about how Zepp rips other bands. There is literally a Wikipedia. Of course page there is. Dedicated to a list of Led Zeppelin songs written or inspired by others. And there's like 20 some odd songs here. It's fantastic. You know, <laughs> and here, here. So let's address that. Right. So let's <laughs> let's address that, because I really I think in those days. You you had people who, mm-hmm. um, especially like blues artists, like a lot of them yes. were borrowing that stuff. And I don't know that they went out of their way to like yep. steal music and then not attribute sure. it to people. Now, 
I, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, and people are going to piss on me and be like, yeah, they did. They knew exactly what they were doing. I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know about that. The, yeah. I, I just think that, you know, again, they were artists in those days, especially blues. Like there are, yes. there's Albert King tunes, like how many more times is one of my favorite tunes and the hunter is on there and they say this type of thing. I don't, I think they did it innocently enough. These, they were like in their late teens, early twenties. Now, could they have been better at giving people credit? Absolutely. But I don't know that they That's were trying true. to That's do true. it in a way yeah. that was so duplicitous. Like, dude, they became the fucking most, like one of the most, if not the most observable bands of all time. Like, do you think they would get sure. away with like not doing that? You know? Um, yep. dude, my, I guess my thing with behind blue eyes, number one, the beef I have with it is that was redone by Limp Biscuit. Like, do me a favor. But, um, <laughs> but that was the original lineup. No, like Pete, I, I can remember Pete Townsend talking about, um, how, you know, and again, this is like how insufferable he gets. He's like, he played along with the lyrics and normally he played it very straight in the open parts. You're like, do me a favor, man. Yeah. So I thought that was still the original lineup who played that, right? Like that, you know, I know it came out in 84 and Keith Moon died in 78, but I'm not sure if that was one of the holdout recordings. Cause I know they did have a few of them that like kind of spanned after Moon passed that were released. It might've been on, like re-released, like re-released. Yeah, Cause I think yeah. the original was in like 70, 70, yep. 71. But I guess what I, the reason I'm going with that is that's actually a great representation of how who played, I mean, uh, how Moon plays the drums. Mm-hmm. And he used to play it a lot with Roger Daltrey's like vocal interpretation of the lyrics. Right? right. So he would double that, which is really strange. Not a lot of drummers do that. Right. And in the parts where there were no lyrics, he would play it fairly straight. Now for me, I wouldn't do that as a drummer because you feel like you're challenging the vocalist too much. Like there's too much mm-hmm. shit going on. Symbols crashing, this type of thing. A lot of snare rolls. I would do the opposite. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right here, Steve, by the way, it says it was recorded in 71. So that's interesting. Uh, so, yeah, so I wonder if it was just like re-released or whatever. But just, yeah, but just to focus on the horror that was that uh, that song is when, again, Limp Bizkit did it. Like, let's just – so we got to bury that song someplace. <laughs> the song is brilliant, though. It's beautiful to play it. It's beautiful to sing it. Anyway, but – Sure. But, dude, for me, look, the albums are amazing. They were super prolific. Like I said, they went – 69, both one and two came out. You know, yep. and then you had 70 Led Zeppelin 3, 71 Led Zeppelin 4. I mean, dude, these are – two, three, four, five, nine time platinum albums. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. it's, mm-hmm. um, and like I said, House of the Holy is my favorite. I happen to love Presence. If I were to pick a separate, uh, like a second favorite, Presence is my probably second favorite Zep album because it opens up with Achilles Last Stand, which for me is my favorite Zep tune of all yes. time. Yes, yes. And yes. it's nine minutes. And again, you're like, oh, here's the Rush guy with a long song. No, it's just the song is so good. Like brilliant guitars, this type of thing. Um, but dude, I- I'll put it like this. The Who deserves their place in rock and roll, you know, in the annals of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they are, they wrote brilliant songs. They, they can stand toe to toe with any other band for me. Look, I take Zeppelin, right? I do because that's just me. Um, but you know, I just, I don't, again, the, the thing that really does it for me in terms of interchangeability is you got two guys still out there doing it, who maybe were the driving sure. force of the band, right? Daltrey and, and, yep. and Townsend. I mean, you can't, you can't yep. do bad looking at those guys. That's right. I just, I do give Zeppelin credit on some level for not continuing to try to wring out what they can out of Zeppelin, if you know what I'm saying. Like, I, I know they did that reunion concert and Jason Bonham was the only one who could fill his dad's shoes. And I think sure. he did a really good job. Um, yeah. but I do give them the credit for not trying to make it something it's not. That's the only beef I kind of take with the who at this point. Right. But no, I dig that. 
Yeah, Zep was in and it was out and it did what it needed to do and you know got off the field and um, I, I appreciate that. I think that's a fair statement. And and like we said, kind of at the onset of this, you know, it's kind of like these are two just iconic, iconic bands. It's it's you can't you can't lose. One dude. Of the, you can't lose. You can't no, lose. Not at all. It's one of the more challenging ones we've definitely put out there. But I know we're gonna get some some nice uh, you know mail and uh, interest in this. <laughs> yeah, topic I think nice is probably an overstatement. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking very forward to uh, reading the inbox in the next few weeks here. 100%. But uh, I think that's I think that's pretty fair for that. Yeah, so we crushed it, man. No, I mean, you don't lose. I take Zap, you take the who, but you don't lose. So. And then uh, now what I'd like to do is actually move on into sounds from the rhythm section because we actually do have some good mail here. want to get through it. Uh, first of which is actually an email. And this one comes from Joe. He says, you guys are like the modern day and more professional Wayne's World. So <laughs> there you go. Ah, that's amazing. Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> more professional. Wow. They're um, giving us a lot of credit on that one, I think. A lot of credit. A lot of credit. I'll take it. Uh, then we move into, let's see here. We got some Facebook. We get a lot of stuff in Facebook. That's good, you know, man. A lot of folks will reach out to us through there. Uh, Tom says, just listened. Great job. But how you boys leaving off into the wild? Okay, so he's talking about soundtracks. He goes, must be Steve's Pearl Jam bias or The Crow, Clerks, High Fidelity, Train Spotting, Donnie Darko, etc. And then he says, and by the way, how is the counterpoint to Bob Dylan's bad voice, Getty Lee, who has the single most polarizing voice in rock and roll? Steve, why don't you respond to Tom? Oh, man, I'm going to come uh, with an avalanche of, of retort <laughs> here. Oh, you were finished. Well, allow me to retort. Um, <laughs> so here's, here's what I'll say. Um, I don't have, okay. I, I probably have stated this too much. I don't know that I have like an instant Pearl Jammer version. I really don't. I just like, I, I, I it, it frustrates me when people try to make something out of something. It's not like, I think Pearl Jam deservedly has a, like it, it, it has carved out its niche has carved out its, um, you know, deserving reputation, I think people go a little nuts with like making Eddie Vedder something he's not, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, into why. Look, I, I really think he did well with that acoustic guitar work. Um, it just mm-hmm. for me, I, I just I didn't think of it like that. That's all. I mean, and I and I'm yeah. not going out saying, "Oh, fuck Eddie Vedder." There's no way I'm putting him on my list. Like, <laughs> that's not that's not happening. You heard it here, folks. Rhythm section. Yeah. Steve says, "Fuck Eddie Vedder." No, yeah. exactly. That's no, no. That, there's no way I'm saying that. In fact, um, I think just breathe is the tune he plays and plays the acoustic. Mm-hmm. And he does really, really nice work. That on is that. a good song. That is a good Yeah, song. he does well. I, I struggle a little bit. It's hard to disentangle him from Pearl Jam because for me, that guy is Pearl Jam, right? Like yeah. Stone's good. McCready's good. They've had like a, like a kind of a bit of a revolving door with drummers and Ament the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But you take Eddie Vedder out of that band, I still think they're playing clubs in Seattle. That's just me, right? I, I hear you. I hear you. So yeah, I've never been the biggest McCready fan, if I'm being honest. I, I think he's I think he's good and serviceable for what they needed. But, uh, you know, again, back to my earlier comment, I would take a John Frusciante any day of the week over a Mike McCready. I tend to agree. Um, I think he interprets the music a bit more than like the Hendrix type style than McCready does. But, um, yeah. oh, and, and here is the counterpoint, if you're ready for it, for Dylan and, uh, and Getty Lee. There's a yeah. difference. Like, my thing is... Dylan interprets his own music that he writes. I respect the shit out of that, but the guy can't sing. Like, I'm sorry. Like, mm-hmm. or he doesn't sing like as well as I, I, I think a singer could, let's put it like that. Sure. So yep. I think it's a lot of very nuanced type of like, hey, you know, like that type of thing. I mean, I don't, that's not my <laughs> thing. Right. I, I applaud him. I like Dylan. And I guess I'm saying like, if I'm being asked to render a judgment, I guess, which I think I am. 
I don't think yeah. he's got a great voice. Here's the difference. Getty Lee can sing. Whether people like his voice or not is something else. That's totally mm-hmm. different. Like, he, he, he sings in a higher register. I think he's got great delivery. Neil Peart writes great lyrics. If you don't like his voice, that's different from he cannot sing. That, that would be the split that I give on that one, right? Yep. So that's there fair. you go. That, that's, that's my take on it. The, uh, the final piece of mail I wanted to cover here today is from Alyssa, and she says, fun, guys. Just listened on my daily walk, which I think is just amazing that people actually listen to Dude. us, let alone on a daily Somebody walk. told me they listened to it in the car the other day. I was like, holy right? shit, Mike, we broke through. Amazing. We're in pop culture already. Yeah, <laughs> uh, she goes, some great choices. Uh, she's also talking about soundtracks, I believe, here. She goes, I'm older than you guys, but no, you're not into the 80s thing, but I love Teen Cats. She's having a baby soundtrack, and she actually asked me to give it a listen. I did, and, uh, you know, listen, she, she's right, and, and I appreciate her introducing me to things I haven't heard before. I'm always willing to listen to new things. It's definitely not my speed, and I know, Steve, you're a bit of a bigger fan of the 80s than I am. Uh, I do think one of these casts, we need to talk 80s in a meaningful way. Could be coming soon, so stay tuned for that. But Steve, Dude, you 100%. And no, I, and I, I don't know where we would have given people the impression that we're not 80s music fans. In fact, I, I happen to really like 80s music. I beg on the 80s probably. Yeah, you probably cast. do. And that's okay. do. look, that's, that's the whole – that's the shtick, right? Like the good cop, <laughs> although sometimes we're both bad cop, which is probably pretty bad. No, I, I love music, dude. And I have an older sister who um, – actually, I love 80s music. I have an older sister who was big, big, big into the 80s. And I would see like everybody used to do in those days, you know, like on that, like the almost like the denim binder, you know, like you had those like blue binders. She would, you know, she had like Kaja Gugu and um, Spandau Ballet and all, and like the Bananarama and the Bang, like all these like um, like 80s bands. But dude, mm-hmm. like Culture Club with Boy George, like I, I happen to really, like Duran Duran was amazing. Like, how do you not like Duran Duran? It's fucking incredible. Oh, man. So, all right, you could jump on me all you want, but uh, we totally need wait. to do an 80s uh, thing. Yes. I get in the yes. car, my wife, you know, my kids laugh. They're like, oh, dude, dad, all all mommy listens to are 80s on 8 and 90s on 9. I'm like, all right, I guess. I was going to say maybe maybe the new waves. It could be worse, it. right? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's worse music out there, but no, we totally, I appreciate the... Uh, the mail and we totally have to do an 80s episode dude that's fantastic well uh as always we appreciate that mail and keep it um, coming you know we, we we did go a little bit over today but i think it was worth it because we we had some meaty topics to get into uh as always though you can contact us at music and theory podcast at gmail.com you can like us on facebook and follow us on instagram and also now uh, there's a radio internet or internet radio. I guess I said that backwards. Internet radio's channel that you can listen to us on. It's called Cyber FM. Download the yes. app. We air on the first Monday of each month at 9 p.m. Uh, so if you don't get enough of your fill through your standard iTunes, Spotify, Google, or Stitcher, whatever it is, feel free to dial in to Cyber FM as well. And uh, you keep listening. I guess we'll keep doing this. Huh, Absolutely. So, and until next. So yeah, I was gonna say until yeah. next time, folks. Yeah. With that, rock on.